Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 501 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And back in the studio today, a little calmer, more relaxed. Sadly, no Millie's cookie this week, but there we go. Coming up on the show, we'll be having a chat with Tanya Reynolds, a.k.a. Teresa Benelli from Delicious, talking about how she gets on with all the gang, including Dawn French and the rest of the fantastic people in that show. We will be also talking about a fantastic film, The Crucible of the Vampire. Katie Goldfinch, who plays Isabel in that will be telling us more about that movie that was filmed in Shropshire. We have music from Molly Tuttle and Arkansas Dave. That's all on the way. And we'll be talking to Philip Spencer all about last week's Energy Efficiency Week. Because if people are going out and buying homes, they're prepared to pay a bit more if it's a little more energy efficient. As well as that, we'll be finding out more about the Beyond Music Festival from The Haven. And we'll have a tune from Lena Galliara as well. That's all coming up on the show. But first of all, the sensational 60s experience is at the Grand Theatre on the 16th of February. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Wally Whitman from Herman's Hermits. Hello, sir. Hello. Nice to be with you, Jason. Good to talk to you. And... Obviously, it's an amazing lineup for the night, and uh, to have Herman's Hermits on the bill is always an absolute treat. And of course, you've been with the band since what was it, 64? 1964, yes. Um, just before we made the Army to Something Good, we got to number one in the charts. About uh, 55 years non stop. So, what memories stand out for you during that time? Well, actually, getting the first number one was a, a big achievement. I didn't think, didn't think we'd have a hit record. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd give it a couple of years to see how we go on, but 55 years later, also uh, meeting Elvis Presley was a pretty, pretty good experience <laughs> in 1965. We uh, we were in Hawaii, I just finished the tour, and he was filming Paradise of Wine Style. And we got a telephone call from his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, and he said, Elvis Presley wants to meet Herman Zermitz. Wow, what is, he wants to meet us. <laughs> I think they wanted to know why we were selling more records than Elvis Presley, Five Lads from Manchester. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you, you're still living in the Northwest as well, aren't you? Absolutely. South Manchester, yes. I like it here. You you weren't tempted to stay in Hawaii then, but you you spent so long on the road, you, you must have obviously had several hundred tours uh, across the US, across the globe, and, and all... With some amazing songs. So, is, is there any tracks that uh, you've sort of adapted over the years? Anything that's changed in time? Uh, no, we're still doing all the hits. Um, playing them a bit better than we did back <laughs> in the 60s. And the equipment's a lot better. And uh, on the sensational 60s experience, we've got a, a great um, sound man there. Andy, um, Andy, it makes a brilliant sound, just like the 60s, but really high quality st- stuff it's great and it's easy we do we do about eight songs uh, the foremost open the show then it's the swing and blue jeans then Herman's Hermits close the first half then it's the Dakotas um, do about 15 minutes and then they back Chris Farlow and then they back Mike Pender and then we have a big finale and a meet and greet after the show in the foyer. That, again, that's got to be a, another great part of it because all this is about sharing the memories of the music as well as the music itself. And for the people who are coming along who were there at the time, to actually meet you know, pop heroes, it, it, that must be uh, a good fun for you to, to share that sort of experience. It is. It's great when people come and say, I remember you know, when uh, you know, like Sunshine Girl came out, I was doing this, I was doing that. 
And, um, you know, the Herman's Hermits haven't left the building. They're in the foyer, <laughs> chatting away and signing signing programs if they bought one. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great... Um, in the, like the 60s, you used to do a show and you had to run out of the, the back door as fast as you could and escape, but we don't escape anymore. No. <laughs> we didn't, no one wants it's to run that fast. we slow down a bit so they can catch us. <laughs> <laughs> but with with the, the sort of lineup you got here, uh, you, you're hearing songs which are also part of, of your time growing up, growing up with your music and the, the other performers on stage. And it, is it uh, a case of you, you've sort of crossed paths with all of these people for decades now? It, it is, yeah. I've, not, I've known Mike Pender since um, uh, since 1964, and uh, he sings all the, the stuff I like to hear, all his hits. Uh, Chris Farlow, he's a great lad. I, I didn't meet him till about um, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but he's a nice fella. Swinging Blue Jeans, Alan, Alan Lovell, I've known him for 30 years, and uh, Pete on bass, I've known him for forever. <laughs> <laughs> and the foremost, they're Lancashire lads. When you're out there on the road, is there anything that you guys do as kind of a tradition when you when you're out there with the uh, sensational sixties experience? Is there are there any things kind of left over uh, that, that maybe were part of, of what you, the, the rituals you'd have done when you were doing this in the sixties? The, the ritual we get there about two thirty, uh, throw our personal you know back uh, back line stuff, what we prefer, mm-hmm. then we go to the hotel for a lie down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, a bit of a change from where from yeah. way back when. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't do, travel through the night anymore. We've stopped doing that where, whenever possible. So we're, after the show, we go back to the hotel, have a, a couple of beers and uh, a laugh, and get up early and do the next show. <laughs> but we have a, we like to have a bit of a siesta in the afternoon. <laughs> I don't blame you. If you can get away with it, go for it. That works every time for me. But uh, <laughs> you've, you've you've got your favourite moments on tour. You enjoy meeting the the people that are out there. You've got to give me a favourite Herman's Hermit song. I'm into something good. The first one. That's great. When we play that, everybody in the uh, the theatres sing, sing along with it. It's fabulous. It really is. Well, an absolute treat. Uh, you've got Mike Pender, as we say, the original voice of the searches, Chris Farlow, Herman's Hermits, the Swinging Blue Jeans, the Dakotas and the Foremost, all on stage. And uh, it's going to be a, a great, great uh, night. It is the 16th of February, the sensational 60s experience. Get your tickets now, grandtheatre.co.uk or 01902 the box office number. Have you any idea how many times you've played the Grand? Because uh, it must be a venue that you probably came to possibly in the 60s even. Uh, we would, I think we did in the sixties. We've, we've, I think we've been there about twenty times over the years. Over the years, yeah. So uh, certainly a, a home from home for you. It is, yes. Yeah. It's a great, great place to play. Well, uh, and and also, uh, do you still have various nicknames as well within the band? Because uh, I th- oh yeah, I've got uh, my Go nickname is Bean. <laughs> How and why? And it, well, it's nothing to do with uh, baked beans. No, okay. <laughs> it's uh, when I was a kid, I used to make. Um, that things out of Meccano and sticks and bits of metal. And my uncle christened me uh, Barry Bean and his funny machine. <laughs> it stuck. <laughs> when it, it christened me about when I was four years old. <laughs> uh, that, that's been around for a while then. We're talking the best part of nearly 50 70 years. Yeah. 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 No, I ain't got more than that. No, I'm 72 now. A 68-year-old nickname. I like it. It's still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you might as well just change your name, to be fair, hadn't you, and, and do it that way. Something announced me Barry Bean on the, on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barry Whitman, Bean, are two his friends. Thank you for joining us and chatting about the sensational 60s show at the Grand on the 16th of Feb. My pleasure, Jason.
On the Milk Bar. On the 28th of January, the Asylum 2 in Birmingham. Arkansas Dave will be on stage. As we speak now, he's about to board a flight to the UK and he joins me on the line. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you doing today? All good here. And uh, are you all ready for your trip to the UK? <laughs> I am packing as we speak, so I hope I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> now, Americana UK have invited you to perform as part of their January showcase, and you're heading around the UK as well. So, tell us a bit about the gigs that you've got coming up. Yeah, so uh, I've got a got a nice little full UK tour going on. We're going to be stopping uh, through. Let's see, we'll be playing the uh, Sage Gateshead. We're going to be opening up the show for John Paul White. That should be a really good show. And then we're gonna, you know, pop down for the for the AMA showcase in London. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that because we'll have a couple of nights there. Uh, we'll be able to do the showcase on the 30th, and we're gonna stay for the award show. And then we're gonna go to Wedley, and then we're gonna go to Nottingham. We yeah, we got a, a pretty full circuit. I think we got seven gigs overall, as well as a couple of sessions. So. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's be a lot of fun. I'm thinking your first of February gig may will be in the Midlands again in Budley, which I think is the pronunciation on that one. Okay, well, my bad on that. So, I'm probably going to slaughter a lot of those pronunciations, but uh, 
you know, I'm sure you can hear that in my thick accent. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it does the job, and it is a, it's a tricky one. There's places around here which are almost unpronounceable. I can't tell some of them, and I'm local. So uh, Beaudley should be good, <laughs> but it is accessible from the, from where we are in Wolverhampton. So whether you fancy uh, Birmingham Asylum 2 on the 28th or on the 1st of February at St George's Hall, Beaudley, you've got two good gigs that you can get along to there. So uh, what's going on with the music at the moment? Because I know the debut album was very well received. We've heard some things off you in the past from that, and we're going to take a listen to a tune very soon. But what is happening with your work at the moment? Well, right now I've been in and out of the studio just demoing songs, doing a lot of songwriting. Uh, but because the album release, uh, the one-year anniversary is coming up, we are planning on doing like a little behind-the-scenes footage kind of uh, premiere as well as a single that didn't make the album. I'm going to go ahead and release that for the one-year anniversary. So kind of working on that as well. So got a lot of cool stuff. We've got a live show that's coming uh, in the works that we played last summer when we were on tour. And um, I won't talk too much more about it, but, yeah, there's plans to release a live show. So there's there's a lot of music that's going to be coming down the pipe pretty soon. But uh, as of now, there's nothing quite finished. But, yeah, the release... Should, it should be finished for a, around a, a April 19th, April 20th release. It, it's all sounding good. We've enjoyed listening to the album as we've gone along. For tickets, is it your website the easiest place to go to to get your hands on tickets? Yeah, ArkansasDave.com slash tour is probably the, the easiest place. It's all in, in one area. You click on buy tickets and it'll take you to the right spot. And we've got a copy of Bad Water here in the studio. So what track should we take from the album? Hmm. Well, I mean, whatever you fancy. If you're if you're in a in a drinking mood, I, I would say think too much. That's a pretty good track to to get a little bit rowdy. I will take that in a second or two's time. Uh, before we do, though, what are the messages have you got for your UK audiences as you are prepared to head across those, our great nations? Well, I just hope you brought your dancing shoes because we're ready to rock. We're everybody's really excited and uh, looking forward to playing full set. We have got a couple of new tunes that we're going to introduce. So. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a good time, so I hope to see everybody out at the show. Give us your website one more time. Yeah, it's ArkansasDave.com. Simple as that. Arkansas Dave, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in the UK over the next few days. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. See you soon.
There you go, a tune from Arkansas Dave. We'll hear more from him a little bit later on. With the arrival of Delicious Series 3, as well as a 1 through 3 box set from Acorn Media, more fun ensues on your TV screen. To tell us more, I'm joined now by one of the regulars from the cast, Tanya Reynolds. Hello. Hello. So it's an amazingly both dark, funny, entertaining and moving show, isn't it? I think, does that cover everything that goes on there? Um, yeah, I mean, the series this year, it's got moments of hilarity, it's funny, it's also incredibly moving, there's some really touching storylines, particularly with Mimi, um, Sheila Hancock's character, and with Teresa, my character, there's some really interesting stuff, and it's beautiful Cornwall in the summer, and it's delicious. <laughs> well, you must have great fun filming the series. For those who don't know it yet, I mean, go out and buy the one through three box set. There's three seasons of fantastic telly for you to watch there. But it's all surrounds a passionate cook, Gina, a.k.a. Dawn French. And she was once married to Leo Vincent. And uh, Ian's doing a great job of playing that part, uh, considering the circumstances around him being in the show. Uh, and then yeah. Amelia Fox is the glamorous Sam. And this is a sort of interesting three-way love triangle that, that got a bit messy in season one didn't it yes ian glenn who plays leo was gina's husband and then he cheated on her with amelia and then he married amelia while he was with amelia's character he um was having an affair with uh with dawn's character so very complicated little menage a trois going on absolutely but this has been the basis <laughs> of, a, of an amazing tale which is, I, I, you know, it sort of picked up a little spark in everyone who's seen it with the, the intrigue and excitement that all the characters have brought together. And, uh, yeah, Teresa, your part has uh, arrived home unexpectedly, having been away. So, so what's she been up to? So, yeah, the end of the second series saw her leaving Cornwall with her boyfriend at the time called Michael, and they went travelling. They went to Vietnam. And then at the start of the series, she's back. And she's not with Michael, she's alone, and she has a bit of a secret, as they are a family that love to keep secrets from each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I this, this is part of the character development, and when you start to get to know them, you can't help but, but love the interesting ways each of them interact and, and the, the personality traits. But to add to that this season as well, I think there's probably more of a, a focus on some of the, the side stories, the other groups of people coming in, to tell a, a mini-story within the story. Yeah, yeah, there's there's lots of because um, obviously the the main setting is um is a hotel that the family are running. So you get all these little vignettes of um characters that come into the hotel and you see you know their into their lives and their relationships um which is such a nice little addition to the show and to the main storylines that are going on. And it must be amazing filming all of this. If you already said, you know, Cornwall in the summer, who could ask for a better job than that to start off with? I know it is. It's perfect. I mean, it's, we shoot over two months. Yeah, at the height of summer in Cornwall, and it's just beautiful. We go to all these amazing locations all over the depths of Cornwall. I I stayed uh, last year in a amazing cottage in Downderry, and it was just so idyllic. And the crew is all local, and everybody. We we go to the pubs at the weekends and have a good old knees up. And Dawn has us round for cream teas it's her house it's um it's really really idyllic and and, and that in itself that and this summer just gone was so hot it must have made it really difficult to film if you cried rain for any sequences you just weren't going to get it yeah, yeah it was actually in series two it rained constantly and we had a real trouble 
and it was freezing as well because we filmed a bit later in the year so we had real trouble trying to make it look like it was summer <laughs> but this year it was it was very very warm which was great um there were a lot of wasps on set though <laughs> and for a few because obviously we have a lot of food out there's yep. always these amazing spreads um and we attracted so many wasps so in most scenes that are outdoors we're all trying to duck and die for our lives <laughs> Fend off the <laughs> and when it comes to the food yeah. I mean do you guys get to eat most of it or do the crew try and help out as well everybody gets to eat some I think a lot I think the crew do go home with a lot of stuff but the thing is like the the, the, food, the food that we we film with it's wonderful at the start mm-hmm. and we try and sneak a few like me and Sheila are always trying to sneak a few mouthfuls <laughs> um, before we've shot anything because then the food is fresh but as it goes on throughout the day it gets covered in wasps and still looks wonderful but um you, you don't don't yeah. necessarily want to be taken into something uh, by the fifth take of a scene that was particularly tricky when four wasps are what caused the retakes. yeah exactly yeah can yeah, be a no, bit of a problem that one and, and what else is there <laughs> about the series that you've absolutely loved working on particularly in series three do you know what we just have just such a laugh like with dawn and millie we just laughed so much this year and when I'm watching it, I can tell the scenes where I'm, especially scenes with Dawn, where I'm just trying to keep a straight face <laughs> because the atmosphere on set, even when we're tackling the the more difficult storylines, we're just, you know, when the cameras are off, we're just laughing and joking and being silly. And it's just, it's just so much fun. I hurt my face from laughing <laughs> so much. Yeah, it's such an enjoyable job. And I think that you can see that in the show. I think you can see how much fun we're having. And I think the other important part is such a, it's such a quality piece of work as well, isn't it? You can see the the fact that it's it's been lovingly put together, and and the the amount of money it needs to be spent on it's been spent on it to make it all come together. Yeah, it, it has actually the, the 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 care that's gone into it. I mean, the crew is obviously amazing, but like the producers and the writers, they've done it so well, and they they really really care about it. Philippa Giles, who's the the producer, executive producer, is just fantastic and she she loves it and you feel that in the in the show I think the amount of love that's gone into it it's such a I know everybody says this about every show but it really is such a tight little loving family and so can we expect season four to be coming along fairly soon well we don't know yet I mean mm-hmm. I, fingers crossed <laughs> that'd be nice to see maybe the latter part of uh, 2019 into 2020 and you can make sure you go out there and get the three series box set or season three if you've already seen the first two available now on dvd from acorn media international you can also get them on streaming services as well so easy to watch certificate 15 and you've got several hours of fantastic television ahead of you it's an absolute treat tanya reynolds aka Teresa, in the wonderful delicious thank you for joining us so much thank you goodbye in a moment's time we'll hear from lena galleria but first here's toes Do. 
little storybook boy I like your toes my fairy storybook boy I like your toes my little storybook boy I like your toes my fairy storybook boy You're my little teapot short and stout You wanna go out you always do I'm your little boat That is Toes from Lena Galliara, who joins me now on the phone. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm very well. And how do we find you? Yes, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, good to talk to you. Song. Well, this is it. And, and Toes is a tribute to uh, your dog. And it's the first thing that you've released in four years. How come the hiatus? That's right. Yeah, I had a bit of a, um, a break in my music making as I was, um, I kind of like suffered from depression and it was during that depression that um, I got my dog and he helped me quite a lot with getting back out and just laughing again so uh, it seemed appropriate that the first song I make again the tail end of everything is about the little dog that uh, helped me and particularly in the creative industries it can be very difficult to, with the amount of times you put your emotions on display uh, but you are yeah. you're known for your music reflecting your feelings aren't you that's right um for me it's it's that that's the wonderful thing about making music yeah you just using it to be able to say things uh, to, to express myself maybe more honestly even and more um transparently that I can, than I can with words. So, yeah, it's very important for me to feel like I'm um, saying something uh, truthful in, in my music about how I feel. So, and this is a example, although almost trying to address this, this uh, not so great time, but with a more positive, uh, with a more positive light on, on, on it. 
yeah, for, on for, something from it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and from this point, it is just part of the journey of your life. And without the lows, you can't have the highs. So it's making sure That's you, you right. build from this time. And, uh, I mean, you can show off your talents uh, once more through the the fact that you, you've, you've seen the other side of, of the way you can feel about the world. That's true. I mean, I think before I always thought I was very tough kind of person, always very positive, using it as an almost survival skill, you know, this really um, super positive, super optimism. But but it's been, I think, um, as you say, there's something to be gained from having experienced uh, things very differently because, for example, it's, I, I, I don't, I'm not quick to judge someone when I, it, it before this, when I was very, uh, I considered myself strong and I thought that to an extent, you know, we can control how we feel and are responsible for that. But I, I, I um, maybe would see sadness in some situations and think, you know, that's a small thing. You, you can get over that or, you know, that's a big thing, you know, but now I, I realize that you know, everyone has a right to feel how they feel and you can't really ever say that something that someone's gone through, it's too small of a deal for, to to justify them feeling so low. And so in that way, I think it has, I mean, I, I used to think, you know, I'm, I'm not very judgmental, but I think this has actually made me less judgmental, you know, because I just, and, and also seeing how something like this can happen to anyone because I used to feel very strong and positive it, again yeah just makes me appreciate just how this can happen to anyone and I think that that's been educational for me as well absolutely and through the message that you can put across in your music you can help others to understand that as well and uh, i'm sure that's something that we'll see through more of your work uh, as you then build back to the the level of positivity which is uh, more normal in your world yes yeah that, that that would be lovely to to aspire to to do that yes well, well, fingers crossed that everything keeps working uh, as well as it should that way. I'm sure, as we've said, Toes has helped with that. And uh, is, is Toes a, a big part of your life now? Tell us a, a bit about your four-legged friend. Yeah, his name is Abu. And uh, it's funny because when he came to me, he, he he was actually... He needed being looked after himself and that. I don't think he'd been socialised very well and he... And so he, he wasn't very quick to trust me or anything like this. But And it's funny because in a way it's like help, trying to look after him and focusing on him has helped me. But, um, and, and yeah, now he, it, what's lovely about, I think, this dog is it, they, can get, they can get you to laugh again. And so he, I think he helps me to, me and my family to laugh again and, and just, He's he's a very self-important little guy. So, <laughs> I mean, in a way, it's funny because I used to think, you know, you see all these YouTube clips of um, when people are sad and their dogs come up to them and give them a cuddle. But mine, he's he's very much like, okay, if you're, you're sad, you you deal with that. You're just going out the room, and then when you're normal, I'll come back. <laughs> so, but it's it's funny because you know it's good in a way because you know otherwise maybe I would just get sad for the sake of hugs, but. Yeah, he, he he's. Um, I like that he's all about himself because he he just kind of makes me makes me laugh and yeah, it's it, it, just a little character. And and yeah, one 
it's my first dog and, and I've seen out that how they're all such different, unique little characters like us and um that's been lovely to understand the love of a dog mm. as well. So tell yeah. us about what we can else we can expect musically from you. I mean, is this the first track from what will be an album? That's right. I I am working on some songs which are similarly, I'd say, quite um, innocent. They have this simple kind of theme about them. In simple in terms of use of one instrument and the the vocal, and uh, what you know that instrument being a live instrument and having a very innocent and sweet sound to the, these songs and i i feel like they would become part of an album with a, a quite a it, it's a, it's i imagine this as being an album that it's quite universal you know that and people of all ages could um you know listen to it like like toes it has something childish about it but i, I feel there's something elegant about it too and it's trying to create something that I feel is simple and elegant, but beautiful. So I think that that would be where I'd be going with the album for that toes would be on what I would be trying to create. We can keep an eye out for all of your musical releases via your website. Where can we find you online? Best way to find my website, probably easier than spelling my name, <laughs> is to type uh, in linamusic.com, and that will take you to the website that is... Uh, the domain is in my full name, but so to spell that out, I would say www.lynamusic.com, and that will take you to linigdecaliara.com, which has from where you can find all the social media and uh, songs, but the songs are on Spotify as well, and yeah. So good opportunity to be able to catch all the tracks, uh, whether you listen to it on SoundCloud or then buy them through the usual digital and real-life outlets. It's going to be well worth a listen to all the work. Thank you for sharing your music and the emotion that goes along with it. But for now, Lena Galliara, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Jason. Let's take some more music now from Arkansas Dave. This is On My Way. Deserts of my mind, mouth dry, saying hot as the sun. Life withers in front of my eyes, rain like torpedoes fall from the sky, and I'm on my way. Well, I'm on my way back home to you. Yes, I'm on my way.
Arkansas Day with On My Way here on the Milk Bar. 41% of Brits would be willing to pay more for an energy efficient home. To tell us more about why we want to have an energy efficient home, I'm joined now by TV presenter, property expert, of course, you know from location, 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 and a load of other shows, Phil Spencer. Hello. Very good afternoon, Jason. Good thanks afternoon. for having me on. Well, good to talk to you, and thanks for joining us. And uh, obviously, this, this research which has been done as part of the big energy saving week, which runs through to the 27th, we need to think about how our homes are consuming energy, not only for the cost, but the environmental impact as well. well that's absolutely right. I mean, those numbers are, are, are quite surprising, actually. That 40, mm. Well, say 41% of people say they would be willing to spend more. <laughs> Whether they are actually spending more may be a, may be a different point. Um, but it, at least it shows that people are more conscious, they're more aware of, well, it's not just the cost of the rent or the cost of the house. It's actually, you've got to think about the cost of living in the house and how much it's going to cost you to run it. Yeah, so one of those could balance out against the uh, the additional costs that you're, you're paying. And if you have something like a smart meter, you're able to track what you're spending on your energy. Uh, but it's, it's more than about the visible things sometimes, isn't it? Well, yes, it, it, it is. But there's, there's a lot of things that you can do to a house to, to reduce its carbon footprint to effectively make it cheaper to live in. Mm-hmm. Easy wins are things like draft proofing, uh, energy saving light bulbs, more efficient shower heads, uh, better insulation. Those are all things that you can do yourselves. More significant things might be double glazing, a ground source heat pump, solar panels, things like that. But uh, you mentioned smart meters, but that I think it's it's an essential part of a modern home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about us all wanting a, a cleaner, greener, smarter Britain, and, and, and smart meters are. Um, installed by your energy supplier at no extra cost to you. So I don't, you know, why, why wouldn't you have one? Because it puts you in the driving seat of how much energy and how much you're spending on the house. It gives you control. You know what you're doing, and it also yeah. means you're paying the right price as well. Because uh, when it comes down to the older meters and, and estimates that come from them, because they were yeah. so much hassle to read, we couldn't even get to ours. Well, that's, it was probably under the stairs. Mm. You, you never looked at it, and anyway, if you did look at it, you haven't got a clue. And I've yet to meet anyone who who knew um, what a kilowatt is or, or how much <laughs> a kilowatt costs. Whereas a smart meter actually sits on the kitchen table in front of and you can see it in real time accurate in pounds and pence of what you're spending so you know what you're doing with it and and when you've been going around i mean the number of uh, shows i've seen you on things like yeah love it or listed that sort of stuff as well and do you think that people are taking this into account when they're making their decisions on, on shows like that too well i think for a long time my my feeling has been that um a sort of energy efficient um elements to a house are they help marketability so it, it will it, it's a sales pitch it, it's a different it's a point of differentiation between one house and another house but it, it seems this research um as part of big energy saving week is actually telling us now people are willing to, to pay a premium for that and I, I think we'll probably see this appearing on on shows going forward that you are you are talking much more about this now i, I think the whole energy yeah. efficiency thing it, it is it's not just a buzzword is it it has to be a way of life it, there is an increasing relevance um in in today's world about um energy efficiency there's an increasing awareness some of that is being driven by the younger generation, if you like, that are that are leaving home and setting up their own homes and renting properties and buying properties and and starting families, they, they they are they've been brought up in a world that where the environment and and your own individual impact on your planet 
is a far greater issue. It's something that, as I say, they've been brought up with. Perhaps my generation wasn't brought up with, but we've got to get we've got to get with the action. We've got to get with the programme. Before we know it, it will become commonplace. I mean, there's 12 million smart meters out there already, and uh, more on their way. And if well, people more on the way, and of course, the, the second generation ones, you are able to switch suppliers, which is something that people really want the ability to do. So the second generation of, of smart meters enable you to do that very simply. So it makes it even easier, and it's 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 often we you know, in the in the the world we have of all these different energy supplies out there. That in itself can be confusing. So if if there's hassle to it, you're less likely to do it. But if the reality is, you know, prepared to pay more for a home which is more energy efficient in the first place, that allows yep. us to know that we're spending less going forward and we're going to save money. Being able to track that money saving and being able to switch around between suppliers when they are offering the best deals to keep the market competitive, then uh, it, it's, it just sounds like a win-win situation for the consumer and great for the energy companies to make sure they're providing the best service they can. What's not to like, Jason? Well I'm said. I'm convinced. But there we go. Right, where <laughs> can we man. go for more information? Yeah. Well, there's lots on the internet about Big Energy Saving Week, um, but actually, um, if you want information about um, Smart Energy, their, their website is smartenergygb.org. And what projects have you got going on at the moment that we should be looking out for you in? Kirsty and I are still putting the finishing touches to the current series of Love It or List It, and I've got a new series on more for the end of the month called Britain in 100 Homes. Series of eight, we start with the oldest or longest inhabited home in the country, which is just outside Bath. It's been lived in for about 900 years. And we finish with a really modern, high-tech, whiz-bang, environmentally friendly house. But, but has, has <laughs> the 900-year-old one got a smart meter? That's the question. I didn't ask him, actually. We're, we're sending you back there now to check. He did talk to me about the the, um, the modern extension, which was done in about 1350. <laughs> well, one of those up-to-date things they've added on the back. Yeah. Shocking. How they got planning permission, heaven only knows, but there we are. Mm. Phil Spencer, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on telly again soon. Nice talking to you, Jason. Cheers. In a moment, Molly Tuttle will be along, but before we hear from her, let's take a listen to one of her tracks. This is Take the Journey.
Molly Tuttle with Take the Journey, the lead single from a brand new and debut album, When You're Ready. And she joins me now on the line to tell me more about what's going on. Hello. Hi, how's it going? All good with me. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, driving to West Virginia today for a show. Well, this is it. And uh, you are heading over to the UK for some shows very soon with uh, a, yeah. a full tour yeah, across the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the transatlantic sessions later this month, and then I'm coming back in April. So you got a really busy time heading around. You're playing at the Symphony Hall in Birmingham on the 8th of February. So mm-hmm. what's involved in the transatlantic sessions tour for this year? Well, it's going to be a lot of different collaborations. Um, there's a few singers, and Terry Douglas um, is kind of helping organize it. So I really, I've watched a lot of videos of it in past years, um, and I don't know exactly what to expect yet. We haven't picked songs. Super excited for all the combinations that are going to happen, and it's a great group of musicians doing it. So. Well, that sounds like it should be really, really good fun, and it gives you a chance mm-hmm. to share some of your music uh, with uh, uh, potentially yeah. new audiences before you do your headline tour, yeah, because your headline ties in with the uh, the whole album release, and that sees you playing once mm-hmm. more back in Birmingham at Kitchen Garden Cafe on the 10th of April. Yeah, yeah, so I'll be coming back to the UK right after the album gets released. So what's uh, the and story behind the album? Obviously, it's your debut, so you've probably got quite a, a large back catalogue of songs that you've chosen from to bring this, this release together. Well, I released an EP about a year and a half ago, and... That was really my first, that was a bunch of songs that I've been collecting for years and years. So after I put that out, I wrote these new songs in the span of like two years um, after moving to Nashville. And I did a lot of co-writing, which I hadn't done before and um, wrote a few of the songs on my own. But I think all of them were inspired by living in Nashville and meeting new musicians and listening to new kinds of music and yeah, it felt like a very collaborative album. And you're very much working within the folk music, bluegrass and Americana communities over there. And is that then the the influence across the whole album? Yeah, I think so. I definitely have had influence, uh, influences since moving to Nashville. I heard a lot of singer-songwriters and just have been blown away by how many amazing writers there are in town and um, gotten more involved in uh, like Americana stuff going on in Nashville. So... I think all of that kind of went into making this album. Well, what first triggered you to get into songwriting, though? I got into songwriting when I was a teenager. I was 15 or 16, and a lot of my favorite musicians and biggest influences, um, like Hazel Dickens or Gillian Welch or Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell, they are all focused so much on the songwriting, and I think that's what really appealed to me about their music is I felt like I got, got to know them through their words and through their music. I decided I really wanted to try writing songs as well um and when i was in high school i was able to take a songwriting class at a local community college so i would go there once a week and we would just everyone would write a song every week and come back in and share it and that was a really nice way to get started it was a good like safe space of other people who were just starting out writing songs um so that's how i started and then i just carried that on uh, after that just kept writing on my own 
but that in itself doesn't yeah, enable you to tell a story the way you do with your music. That is something special that, that really comes from the heart of you. <laughs> yeah, totally. You've got this album, you've got a tour. Does this mean you'll be gathering new ideas for your next set of songs as you head around the world promoting this album? Yeah, totally. I'm already thinking about the next album and I haven't really gotten into writing mode yet, but I am gathering some ideas and just different thoughts about what's next. Really exciting to just keep looking ahead and trying to figure out who I am <laughs> as a songwriter and as an artist. <laughs> and any specific people you'd like to work with on the the next album? Hmm, I don't know. I have a couple ideas brewing, but nothing totally concrete yet. Um, I love working with Ryan Hewitt, who produced When You're Ready, um, and so I definitely want to keep working with him in some way, and yeah, I like to explore other options and just haven't really made a decision on anything yet. Well, you're just 10 years into your music career, and uh, that in itself is uh, quite a milestone, so this debut album is going to, I'm sure, be very, very well received. People are going to be able to find oh, okay. out more about you when they hear the music live. As we've mentioned, it's part of the Transatlantic Sessions with a gig in Birmingham. That's taking place at Symphony Hall, and that will be on the 8th of February. That is a Friday night. You can find more details just by Googling yeah. Transatlantic Sessions on Tour 2019. And then your own event, which is the headliner at the Kitchen Garden Cafe in Birmingham on the 10th of April. Where can we go to find out more about your own tour and all the other details? You can go to my website, mollytuttlemusic.com can pre-order the new album there find out my shows and find out just what i'm up to so check it all out yeah. look for molly tuttle and at mollytuttlemusic.com and but you're on all the streaming services as well with your previous ep and i'm sure we can pick up copies of all of that in advance of the brand new album coming out in april yeah yeah i'm very excited and really happy to be coming to the uk Molly, lovely to speak to you. Thank you for sharing the songs and we look forward to the full release. Have a great time over here and we look forward to seeing yeah. you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Time for another track from Arkansas Dave. This is Diamonds.
You got a better chance of getting hit by lightning Let's see diamonds fall from the sky Let's see diamonds fall from the sky Diamonds from Arkansas, Dave. On Saturday the 9th of February, the Havens European Volunteers are hosting the Beyond Music Festival at the New Hampton Arts Centre. I'm joined now by Karina and Helena to tell us more. Hello both. Hello. First of all, tell us a little bit about your time with the Haven because you've been working with them for is it nearly 12 months now. Yes, now it's I think uh, 11 and a half. We are both based in the head office. So I'm doing fundraising and I'm supporting the helpline and also the finance department. And I'm volunteering in the community team which is supporting the women affected by domestic violence but we're, in the, we're not in refuge. So how did you first come to get involved with the Haven during this 12-month placement? I'm from Germany and so I applied for this program. It was winter 2017 and so I just finished with school and I just wanted to do a volunteering year before going to study and then I started a project and uh, I wanted to help people and just do something uh, good in my gap year basically and yeah so then I applied, applied for the Haven and yeah and I'm really happy that I can be here and support the women and children. No it's the same for me so I was uh, I'm from France and I was working but I wanted to live a different experience abroad. So I find this project and I apply it and be happy that I did. And it's like a fulfilling time over the 12 months. And then to finish the year off, you're having a big concert. So uh, how did that idea come about? So because I'm in fundraising, I suggested maybe we can do like a um, charity event uh, organized by the European volunteers. Yeah, basically it's to support the women and children for the vital services Mm -hmm. so then we were thinking maybe a music festival uh, with live music would be really nice uh, to do that because um, we enjoyed this uh, a lot when you're going out in Wolverhampton to listen to live music and 
So we are thinking maybe we can do something good for also the local community. And you've got some amazing artists performing, uh, one of whom is Megan Reese. Now, she is a phenomenal singer and also ambassador for The Haven as well. Yes, we have five musicians and they're really great and we are really happy that they are volunteering and that they want to spend their Saturday evening with uh, helping us. And Megan Reese, she's involved a lot uh, here at the Haven, um, so I think she volunteered as well at our other events. So we are really thankful for all the support that uh, we get from the musicians and from the community. It's going to be a big event. How do people get hold of tickets? You can find tickets on our Haven website, havenrefuge.org.uk, or uh, on Helm tickets. Five pounds in adults and uh, £3 for students without booking fee. So a great value night as well. Havenrefuge.org.uk is the website. What is going to be the best bit of the night, do you think? Obviously the live music and just to get the people together to enjoy their Saturday evening and also to raise awareness about the Haven, what we do, and raise awareness about domestic violence. And it is about keeping that message there and making sure people know that there is help and assistance available 24-7 if it is yes. required. And again, all the details for that, havenrefuge.org.uk, including the uh, the helpline numbers on there. But uh, thank you both, Karina and Helena. Thank you for the work that you're putting into this event. Uh, I know we're going to have some of the WCR team down there on the night as well. So uh, we look forward to joining you for a fantastic evening of music. Thank you so much. Time for a final tune now from Arkansas Dave. This is Hard Times.
Hard Times here on the Milk Bar. Brilliant work from Arkansas Dave. With a cinema release on the 1st of February of Crucible of the Vampire, a Hammer-style horror comes to the big screen. To tell us more, we have one of the stars of the show, Katie Goldfinch. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us a bit about this project. It's an absolutely brilliant film. I've seen a preview screener and absolutely loved every moment of it. Oh, I'm pleased you enjoyed it. How did you feel for me? Well, this is—I mean, as, as uh, in your role as Isabella, you got uh, some some tricky uh, situations to get yourself into and out of, didn't you? And, yes, uh, got myself in a bit of a pickle. Yes, I play a, a young museum curator called Isabel, and I'm sent to Shropshire to uncover a rare ancient artifact, and I discover that it holds a very dark secret. The duration of the film is me trying to outsmart its curses grasp. Wonderfully filmed in a great location. So, so where in Shropshire were you for the, the stately home? Because I think some of the scenes were also filmed in Shrewsbury, weren't they? Yeah, some of the scenes we shot in university, I think, in Shrewsbury. And the stately home was a previous all-girls school, which Amanda, the producer, used to go to when she was younger. We moved in to the house for a month and we shot most of the film on site. That must have been a great way of doing it, sort of immersing yourself into the whole scenario because uh, Isabel herself finds herself staying in a strange place, doesn't know the people she's staying with. And that was kind of probably the way it was as a group of actors came together and started work on this project. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely helped me use a method technique 
when it came to my acting. I was put up in a lovely cottage in Shrewsbury throughout the duration of the filming and the cottage itself had no Wi-Fi or signal. <laughs> so I'd get home after a long day of filming mostly running around convinced that people were trying to kill me, go home to this cottage late in the evening on my own with no signal to call anybody. So it did really help draw on some real emotions throughout the uh, filming process, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everybody loves uh, A Vampire Tale and uh, playing uh, opposite uh, Florence Cady, uh, that must have been mm-hmm. good fun as well because you both have very, very strong parts in this. Yes, it's definitely a strong female lead feature film, which is wonderful. Um, it's a it's a really good place to be in at the moment as a filmmaker in the industry at the moment. Florence was a, a wonderful co-star and has become a good friend. She plays Scarlett immensely well. It's very difficult to play a, a bat, let's say, and for the audience to still feel some empathy for them, and she, she does that very well. With the parents, Evelyn and Carl, played by Larry Rue and Babette Barrett. I mean, they, they are, yeah. again, exactly what you need in that genre of, of film. And it, even when you're heading around the, the village and going for a pint in the pub, there's some interesting, mm-hmm. quirky people. And I can't give too much away without spoiling the story, but you certainly, you've, you've got all you need feeding into the way the story's going to come to a crescendo. Yeah, indeed. And all the um, supporting cast were incredible and we became a wonderful family throughout the filming process, which made it really easy to deliver good performances because there was such trust between all actors and crew as well, the the camera crew and everyone that brought the film into fruition were wonderful and, and made it a really easy process. Yeah, and it's nice because you've got a big team of extras as well as the, the main performers as well. You've got mm. uh, Tom, played by uh, another actor, who's uh, from the region too. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, lots of uh, the locals came down for some of the extra scenes. Word got out in Shropshire what was going on. And so it was quickly escalated to extras and then fans trying to see what was going on. <laughs> but with Aaron Jeffcott and, of course, Neil Morrissey uh, playing important parts of the story, you never know quite what's going to happen next. No, no. Aaron Jeffcoat plays a wonderful role. He has a very exciting career ahead of him. And Neil Morrissey comes in about halfway through the film and he really saves the day, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, so it is it is one of those tales where when you read the script you must have been really pleased to be part of yeah absolutely I auditioned for the part at the beginning of 2016 mm-hmm. and I was actually on holiday in Marrakesh at the time so I sent in a videotape audition of me on holiday and then after getting a call back I went and met Amanda and Ian and we did a casting and I was with them for about two and a half hours and we were discussing all of the nuances of the script and the character and that's when we realised that we could really collaborate well on this project. And you're putting together a piece here where you know you've got a, a bit of a style you want to fit into and you, you kind of have to do justice to the kind of ha- feel of the Hammer films as well. If you're going to put yourself into that, you'd really have to go for it. And, and I think you succeeded, haven't you? Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Ian, Ian will be very pleased to hear that. Thank you very much. <laughs>
but absolutely quality film. Uh, it has its theatrical release across the UK on the 1st of February, as I said. You'll be screened in Warsaw, and that's going to be at the Showcase? It will be at the Showcase, yes, indeed. So check out their website to get your hands on tickets for that one on the 1st of Feb onwards. Uh, but also then, uh, the DVD and digital release comes along on the 4th of February, and that's going to be uh, priced at 19.99. You'll also be able to get things like the Sky Store, uh, yeah, through Microsoft, Hoopla, all of the, the usual contenders for this sort of thing, as well as a Blu-ray. And I should think yeah, this is going to look fantastic on a, on a big screen in someone's front room to really scare the bejesus out of you just before you go to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so you've got plenty of opportunities to either come and see it um, at the theatre or you can watch it uh, in the safety of your own home. <laughs> so what was the scariest moment for you filming the piece? Well, the last week of filming was where we did most of the action sequences. So the last week of filming, I spent either running around in a scrap or in floods of tears um, <laughs> in a dark room somewhere. So when we were doing a lot of those sequences, the energy was ramped up super high. And so it was quite um, difficult to unwind from that sometimes. And so I would say some of the sequences running through the house were in hot pursuit. Um, it was difficult not to believe that I really was in danger at some point for the filming. <laughs> You'll never be able to go into a house with a corridor that could potentially have random people appearing at the end of it in the middle of the night ever again, will you? Yeah, yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> okay, maybe another film, but it sounds yeah. like it's going to be absolutely fantastic fun to see at the cinema. Well worth taking a look for that on the big screen. As I say, Showcase in Warsaw will be able to uh, do their screenings from the 1st of February, or you can pick it up on DVD, Blu-ray, or on the other platforms as well. So make sure you get yourself along for that one. And we think it's a 15, don't we? Yes, it is a 15. Well, it's absolutely fantastic talking to you. Good luck with what comes next. I know you're going to enjoy continuing to promote this film. But for now, Katie Goldfinch, thank you for joining us on the phone. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 502 next week. I'll see you then. Good afternoon. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.